Solomon around the crease. His shot deflected. Yes, he faked it. He, and he bounces it in. He faked. He faked, Quint. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome to episode 13 of The Crease Dive, presented by Barstool Sports, your one-stop shop for that stick talk for lax rats, by lax rats. I'm Jordy from Barstool. With me, as always, week in, week out, we got the kid, Robbie O, on the mic. Rob, how are we feeling this week? What is going on, Jordy? I mean, hey... At the crease dive, we're primarily a you know a Division One lacrosse focused podcast, and uh, dude, we just had the MLL draft, the Major League Lacrosse draft, and uh, very happy to sit here and say uh, the number one pick of the MLL draft was a reoccurring guest on the crease dive. Obviously, we're gonna talk about this draft, Jordy. What did you think of that draft? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, this is just an, another draft that has come and gone without uh, you know my name being selected. So a little butt hurt about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, Trevor Baptiste going numero uno overall in the draft this year. So uh, he was on the podcast last week. So I think. You know, right now, you know, we've had, uh, you know, as far as guests go, we had, you know, Ian McKay come on. And I think, uh, you know, so his episode dropped on a Friday. I think he scored a uh, overtime game winner. On five. Five goals and no team. Five, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Trevor Baptiste comes on the podcast last week. Uh, he gets drafted number one overall in the MLL the, the next week. So, I mean... Like we said, you know, we, we say this week after week. We're not lying. If you want some good luck in your lacrosse career, come on the podcast and discuss. But not only, you know, not only is Trevor Baptiste the only, uh, you know, former guest on the podcast that, you know, got selected uh, earlier tonight at the MLL draft, but, you know, think about some of the guys who have been on here. I mean, Baptiste going number one overall. Uh, you know, Joel Tinney, he goes number five overall. Yep. What is up, Joel the Tin Man? Uh, Justin Gutterding, the first ever guest on the podcast. He gets in there. The final pick in round number one. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, and then you get into the second round. I mean, you've got Ian McKay going there. you got John Sexton. So, uh, you know, the Creestide boys, very well, uh, you yeah. know, very well represented in the 2018 MLL Collegiate Draft. But, yeah, let's talk about Baptiste going number one overall to Boston uh, because I think you and I are going to be on the same page here, but I think that yeah. that was a no-brainer. Yeah, it, it was a no-brainer for the Boston Cannons. And, uh, you know, before this draft started, uh, I shot you a text message. I was like, yo, who do you got going number one? And uh, we had the same thing. It, it was Trevor Baptiste. Y- you can't score in lacrosse without having the ball in your stick. And Trevor Baptiste is what makes it happen. You know, the position, the face-off position, there's been arguments of should it stay? No, I don't care what you have to say. That is the most – the face-off is everything. It's a one-on-one battle, you versus the guy across from you. And Trevor Baptiste is the best at what he does. There is a reason why he is the first ever – college lacrosse player to get pulled up and be picked to represent our country for team USA. So like you said, this was an absolute no brainer. The Boston cannons got an amazing pick here. Yeah. I mean, and you think about all the offensive talent that's in major league lacrosse and the fact that you're going to have a guy like Trevor Baptiste getting them the ball 75% of the game. uh, It's definitely going to be money for the cannons moving forward. Uh, You know, let's just talk about some of these other top picks in the draft this year. I mean, you got, 
Connor Kelly coming in at number two, going down to Atlanta to play for the Blaze. Uh, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Con Kelly on the podcast a little bit later in the season. Uh, know that he's uh, you know he's definitely a fan, so he'll he'll be on here at some point. Uh, but I mean, you think about the season that this kid has had. You think about the career that he's had at. You know, at Maryland, he was, you know, kind of right up there, right behind Rambo and Heacock and that senior class. And he was one of those guys who kind of, you know, kind of grew up mature with those guys, uh, you know, in College Park. And the season that he has has been having this year with Maryland, uh, he looks like he has the Terps going, you know, to their fifth straight trip to Memorial Day weekend. So, I mean, it, again, that that's another one where – you know, I think that there are a lot of very, very talented offensive players in this year's draft. But with Connor Kelly, with how versatile he is, either coming at you as an attackman or coming at you as a midfielder, um, you know, I think that that's kind of key yeah. what guys are looking for in the MLL. And he's, you know, he's the best at it. Yeah, he, he is the best at it, uh, playing, uh, you know, two position players. You know, we see, you know, nowadays these modern day offenses, we see some attackmen kind of pulling their man up top, playing more of like a midi position. But, uh, you know, we, we harp on this. Uh, Connor Kelly obviously kind of founded of who he, or the player he is today, playing with guys like Heacock and Rambo. He surpassed his assists uh, game three. At Maryland, he, he's sitting on. Um, correct me. What is it like? Fifty-eight goals, thirty something assists. I, I, I might have padded him a little bit too much. My it's point. Where, it, that's definitely where he'll end the season yeah, with at least. Yeah, but the point is, he has become such a dynamic player, and MLL is different than college lacrosse because. It's kind of like coming out of high school and playing Division One lacrosse. You're the best player in high school. You're getting the deep hole, but then you go to college lacrosse and you're playing with kids that were just as good as you. So you take a kid like Connor Kelly, who's getting the number one pull on him, all the attention. Kids are sliding to him left and right, early slides. Then you pull him up to the MLL, dude. He, he I feel like he's one of those players who's gonna be, uh, he's gonna absolutely break out. Yeah, I mean, and listen, when you have an attackman that you're playing with in Atlanta, like Matt Gibson, who has, uh, I mean, definitely the silkiest set of hands in probably the world. Uh, so, I mean, all he has to do is just look for Matt Gibson to be open for about an inch, and he's going to rack up the assists in the MLL this year. Uh, coming in at number three to the Charlotte Hounds. So, we, uh, you know, later on in this episode, we've got. Uh, Kevin Crowley of the Charlotte Hounds, also of the New England Black Wolves in the indoor league. Uh, but he's on here to talk about, you know, the NLL season as well as the MLL draft. And playing with Kevin Crowley in Charlotte this year will be Connor Fields from the Albany Great Danes. Uh, I mean, listen, there, there's not much more you can say about Connor Fields than, you know, we, we, we've seen the numbers that this kid puts up. And we've also seen how much he means to that Albany team. Um, you know, you, you see w without him on the field, obviously they're a different team. You know, they end up losing to UMBC. But with Connor Fields, I mean, this this Albany team is the best team in the nation. So yeah. with Charlotte able to add a kid like Fields to a roster that already has Crowley, Sankey, Rambo, uh, Chanichuk, Ryan Brown, I mean, that, that just – I, I, I don't know how teams are going to be able to stop that offense. Yeah, and I obviously like, – and we, we kind of talked about this in the Crowley interview, but you're not going to be getting a kid like Connor Kelly until, you know, a little bit into the season. 
But, you know, one, once they go and once you get the younger kids kind of playing up with, you know, the, the kids, the guys who have been there before, uh, showing them the ropes, you know, this is going to be a, it's going to be a fun MLL season. I, I have a real good feeling in my gut, but uh, yeah, they're going to be absolutely stacked, but let's just kind of move towards Justin Gutterding uh, getting picked up uh, the final pick in uh, the first round to the Ohio machine who, you know, uh, you're probably going to end up playing for this season. So he's going to be your future teammate. But, you know, what are your thoughts on this? You know, uh, he was kind of, you know, there was talks about him being number one. And then obviously he, we thought, and everyone kind of really thought he was going to be a, a clear cut top three pick slipping to number 10. Yeah. I mean, listen, what we've seen, uh, you know, this year is the prime example of it. You do not want to give Justin Gutterding a chip on his shoulder. Uh, so we talked about it before the season started when the USILA, they put out their preseason player of the year watch list and missing from that list was Justin Gutterding, you know, a, a kid who put up unreal numbers last year for Duke, a kid who's been putting up numbers for Duke his whole uh, career there so far. And now you go into the MLL draft and it's the same exact, I mean, so listen, you, you leave him off that player of the year watch list so far this season. Uh, what's he done? Put up 77 goddamn points on the year so far. So you, yeah. you give a kid a chip on his shoulder. He's going to, he's going to follow up that chip with 77 points. Now we get to the MLL draft and again, like you mentioned, you know, I, I thought, you know, when when Gutty was popping off in those first few games of the season, I was like, dude, like, I don't know how any team can pass up on this guy when he when we get to the draft. And all of a sudden, every single team besides Ohio decided to pass up on him. So, I mean, you're sending him into the MLL season uh, with another chip on his shoulder. and We've already seen how that's worked out. So, Ohio just picked up a shit ton of points because they're going to have a, uh, you know, a slightly, uh, he's good, they're going to have a slighted gutty. Yeah, they're going to have uh, a gutty with a chip on his shoulder, like you said. I mean, this was a kid in 2017, put up 50 goals, 46 assists, 96 points in 2017 as a junior. And like you stated previously, he was not put on like the preseason uh, players to watch list. Absolute slap in the face. He's absolutely fucking killing it this year. Um, and we're only hoping the best for that reoccurring guest. Um, but yeah, I, I was just as surprised as you when, when I saw him get picked up at 10. But, you know, it's still number 10. And, you know, Ohio Machine have uh, probably one of, if not the most dynamic uh, attackman in the country. Yeah, I mean, and again, that I mean, it's the same thing with pretty much every team in the MLL. I mean, there are only so many teams in the league and there are so many great offensive players. But, you know, kind of the same thing with Charlotte. I mean, you look at the guys who Ohio is working with. I mean, you've got Kyle Harrison, Tom Schreiber. Uh, you know, you've got, uh, you know, who else is down there? Peter Baum. You've got... Uh, you know, now you add Justin Gutterding to the mix. And, you know, like I said, I mean, they, they left me off the 25-man roster. So, again, a little little butthurt there. But if they bring me back on, then you've got me there. And, hey, buddy, you add me to any roster and we're looking to go chip chasing. Uh, so, I mean, but Gutterding, yeah, I mean, definitely 
I don't know if you can consider him a sleeper pick or not. Um, I wouldn't call him a sleeper pick. It's just like no. it, it doesn't make sense that he went. Uh, you know, he he went down at ten. But uh, do you have a you know do you have any sleepers to uh, you know that people should look out for uh, to make some noise in the MLL this year? That you know maybe not a name that people have uh, you know been quite as used to hearing at this point. Uh, yeah, I'm actually looking at another uh, Charlotte Hound player. Uh, it's Tim Rotans from Maryland. Uh, you know, when you're talking about Maryland, Connor Kelly's been the focus. Uh, when Rotans was a junior, you know, he's scoring goals Memorial Day weekend. He's helping that team win a national championship. A lot of people don't really talk about him. He has a very successful older brother, comes from a very heavy uh, lacrosse family. His father uh, was the um, old, um, what was it, uh, U21 uh, Team USA team. So, you know, this kid comes from a lacrosse background. This kid was born with a stick in his hand. Uh, you know, when you talk about Maryland lacrosse, obviously Rotance has been in the conference. I feel like this kid's big. Uh, he's, he's a lot uh, older. I graduated in, what, 2016? I feel like I was – I feel like this kid's been in college forever. Uh, I would yeah, say – He's getting his PhD right now. Yeah, he, he's doing something at Maryland. <laughs> he's got PhD. He's getting his MBA. He's, he's getting everything. But, uh, yeah, dude, I, I got uh, – Round two, uh, Greyhounds picking up Rotans. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I think for me a, a pick that you know I think the pick that makes the most sense uh, in the MLL this year in this draft is we go down to round four. We've got the Denver Outlaws picking up Chris Cloutier. I mean, there there hasn't been a better oh. match made in this league in a while. I mean, Cloutier, uh, Denver, they're they're very heavy on the Canucks. Um, you know, and I, I think that you know they got a ton of Canadians on that team, and that offense is you know very free flowing, very creative. And I mean, Chris Cloutier is a guy. I, I know that we harp on UNC plenty on this podcast, but we are not actually. <laughs> uh, shit, you know, I think. Uh, Good thing I call myself there, but I, th- I think people are going to start to get a little, you know, a little butthurt at me. It's actually Chris Cluche. Um, okay, so <laughs> I think Dehoga uh, kind of made fun of us uh, a little bit. Yeah, so so Denver picking up, Cl- <laughs> and, and we don't have to cut that. Yeah, we'll cut that later. Um, but you know, so Chris Cluche, uh, you know, we we, do, we are not anti, uh, you know, because he is pretty much the epitome of everything that we stand for. This kid hates putting the stick in his offhand so much that he will just opt to go one-handed instead of two-handed in his offhand. And I think that the kids put in like at least double digits, one-handed goals uh, so far this year. Uh, But yeah, I mean, so that, um, you know, those are all the big names for, you know, the MLL draft, you know, obviously rounding out that top 10, you know, just a quick rundown. So we've got Baptiste one, Connor Kelly, two, Connor Fields, three to Charlotte, Going down to Dallas for the Rattlers' first year down there, we've got Ben Reeves, uh, Joel Tenney. He's heading to New York to play with the Lizards. Sean Mail, he's going to be heading to Chesapeake. Jules Hennenberg, Rutgers, the Scarlet Knights, he will be playing down in Florida with the launch. Connor Keaton heading into Denver. And uh, Justin Gutterding rounding out that top 10. Uh, going to the Ohio machine. Uh, now, Robbie, you mentioned something to me. And there's a theme in all seven rounds of the draft. What what is that theme that you noticed? Uh, there was no one from Syracuse University, the Syracuse Orange, that was drafted in the MLL. Not a single, single orange 
in I mean and and you know what right now <laughs> I don't know if this is the MLL trolling or not so I'm on the MLL's Twitter page right now their header picture so I I understand that the MLL uses orange balls and you know if you've ever thrown with them they're a fucking pain in the ass cuz they're extra grippy uh but their their <laughs> header picture we get it you tried out for the MLL <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> not a big deal um but their header image right now is a bucket of orange balls is the MLL, are they trolling Syracuse right now that they didn't get a single draft pick? Is the MLL trolling? I mean, dude, obviously we kind of say this when you're playing, when we're previewing or recapping non-traditional lacrosse schools, but I'm seeing Bryant, I'm seeing Dartmouth, I'm seeing Providence, Salisbury, show the D3 some love. Dude, Mammoth, Jacksonville, like... Hartford, Maryhurst, ah, uh, uh, dude, and you don't have one Syracuse kid on that team. I don't know how long the MLL draft has been going on for. I obviously probably since the MLL's existence, but mark my words, quote me. There has never been an MLL draft. There's maybe the supplement. No, no, there's never been an MLL draft where someone from Syracuse has not been playing. When I think of college lacrosse, I think of Four schools, Virginia, Johns Hopkins, Syracuse, and Virginia. It's beside, I, 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 can, I can't wrap my head around it. I, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, <laughs> Desco, shape up, uh, you know, get, get your, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Syracuse kids just kind of want to, you know, make a little bit more money in the workforce. And they just kind of told all these GMs said, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to peace out on the MLL, but yeah, it's definitely uh Definitely a sight to be seen, but hey, I mean, you mentioned it. These kids from you know schools that you know aren't necessarily known as powerhouses in Division One college lacrosse, uh, getting picked up in the MLL draft. One of them, you know, not too long actually, it's you know it's a few years removed now, 2011, uh, drafted out of Stony Brook, the Sea Wolves. Kevin Crowley going number one overall to the now defunct. Hamilton Nationals, and we've got Kevin Crowley on this week's episode, so let's uh, kick it over to that interview right now. And joining us right now, we've got the big cat on the line. We've got Kevin Crowley, formerly of the Stony Brook Sea Wolves, currently playing some ball in the outdoor league with the Charlotte Hounds and then playing in the indoor league with the New England Black Wolves, where he and the boys, they're gearing up for a playoff run. So, Kev, thanks for uh, joining us today. How you doing, bud? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. What's going on, Crowley? Yo, buddy. Yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, it, it's great to finally have you on here. I know that, uh, you know, I've, I've been talking to you for a while about getting you on here. Kind of been dodging you a little bit here and there. Uh, but listen, man, it's, it's been great, you know, having you and your fellow Canuck brethren uh, on the podcast. You know, we've, we've had a, a few of you guys so far, so it's kind of turning us into an international podcast. Uh, and, you know, as a, as a beer <laughs> league box hero myself, always great to have a guy on here who mucks it up in the box. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, I mean, you and, and the Black Wolves, you guys right now, uh, I mean, you, you guys are gearing up for this playoff push. Uh, you, you know, I know that you guys got a tough schedule lined up here, but if everything kind of falls into place, uh, you guys will be in there. And, you know, with, with the season that you've been having, uh, you know, I, I don't want to pump your tires too much, but I've, I have a ton of confidence in the Big Cat, uh, Will, and the Black Wolves to, to some glory here. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, it's been a crazy season. I mean, I feel like, 
we had so many bye weekends this year and uh you know starting in november as opposed to december in the past sorry october instead of november you know i feel like we've been playing for so long now uh it's been a roller coaster you know we were we got off to a nice start and then we kind of went through a lull but you know big moves like trading sean evans in the middle of the season uh and then we you know we had the lull and now we've won our past two games so uh, we're finally looks like we're starting to click with the new group we got, and it's you know at a, a key time, obviously going into playoffs. So you guys are coming into the final stretch, second half of the schedule. I believe you guys got to win out. Just like talk us through the mentality, what's going on in the locker room. Obviously, you know you're a leader on the team, a captain. Uh, what what is going on in the black rooms, uh, black wolves locker room right now? You know, I think we're starting to to feel more confident coming off those two wins. Uh, you know, we love the group we have, especially on the offensive end. You know, there's a lot of veteran leadership there. Uh, you know, and with that comes this confidence that you know it, it, we could have folded. You know, we could have just folded up shop. The you know when we were going through that rough spell there, but you know, like I said, we won these past two games and. Uh, worrying about what we can control, which is obviously getting the next two W's. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully the everything falls into place as it needs to so we can uh, make the playoffs. Obviously with the one-game series for the first round and the second round, you know, it's really anyone's game once it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, you guys are definitely playing playoff lacrosse pretty much enough as is. You know, like, like Robbie mentioned, like you mentioned, you kind of have to to win out here and get a little help to get into the playoffs. So it's, it's kind of just, uh, you know, playing for your survival here. Uh, these last two games you guys got coming up, I mean, you got, it looks like on the schedule here, you got Rochester and then you uh, finish up the season playing against Lyle and Miles Thompson with the Georgia Swarm. Uh, real, real quick. I mean, I, I know that they're the enemy and I know that, you know, you need to, to beat up on them a little bit at the end of the season there to get yourselves into the playoffs. But, you know, what, what is it like, uh, you know, playing against those guys? Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, you're, you're right up there. I mean, every time I check the score sheets, you're getting, you know, four or five goals a game. Um, but you know, what's it like being able to kind of stare that down on the other end? Yeah. I mean, fortunately for me, I'm not on the defensive end all that often and have to go against those guys all the time. Cause you know, they're some of the best players in the game. They're so smart. You know, I really respect Lyle's ability to play both ways and, you know, he presses up the floor. Well, he's just a very smart player. So you know, obviously, uh, Georgia is a, a different team than we saw at the beginning of the season. We got our first win of the season. We opened up against them, uh, and then they added Jordan Hall back to their roster. So, you know, they seem like they're uh, they're starting to pull it together and, and kind of hitting their stride, too, at the end of the season. So it really is, uh, you know, going to be a battle like it's been for the past. You know, I feel like this, this whole half of the season has been every game, like you said, had those kind of those playoff implications and been like a playoff game. So more of it to come. Definitely feel when that's when those are, that's when the teams are at their best. Um, But just take me through. So I am, if you cannot tell, I'm not the biggest NLL um, fan. I don't really follow it too much. I actually never really played box lacrosse. Like Jordy said, he's in a couple of beer (laughs) leagues, but you know, you're, you're talking about the Thompson brothers talking about yourself Obviously, you made your name. You're where you are right now because of what you did on the field. And when I say on the field, I mean outside. And so did the Thompson brothers. Talk about, you know, for someone like me who's not too familiar with the box game like uh, you Canucks up are there. Talk about the difference between 
outside lacrosse and then box lacrosse? Uh, you know, obviously having uh, five runners and a goalie out on the floor at a time, similar to hockey. Uh, it's way more physical game, uh, even, you know, as an offensive player and the defensive players wear a lot more pads than we, we do in field. And, you know, usually you've got a couple ice packs all over your body uh, after a box game. It's just that much more physical. I feel like the guys are even meaner in the league for whatever reason. You know, they're actually trying to hurt you. Uh, and that's, you know, really the main difference other than goals are a little bit smaller, goalies are bigger. So, I mean, it's uh, – you know, I enjoy playing both. Obviously, being with the Charlotte Hounds, I really enjoy going in those seasons. And it seems like you play with a, a bunch of young guys in the uh, in the MLL, whereas the NLL is more of like a veteran league. You have guys who are, you know, we have a guy on our team who's playing that's 39 years old. Uh, so it's pretty crazy how that can happen too. But, you know, I enjoy them both, and I'm still lucky to be able to play both. Yeah, I mean, we can tell that you definitely enjoy them both. Uh, for For people who don't know, uh, so you were a uh, number one overall draft pick in both the uh, MLL draft and the NLL draft. Uh, so, I mean, you, you think about guys who really excel in both leagues. I mean, it's it's guys like you, uh, Tommy Schreiber, obviously Lyle. Um, but, you know, so as we're recording, you know, this is Wednesday night and the MLL draft just happened tonight. So we got, uh, you know, Trevor Baptiste coming in, number one overall pick. You were kind of in that spot before. Um, real quick, I mean, just just kind of talk us through, you know, that process. I, I, I know that, you know, the MLL or NL draft, neither of them are anywhere near the scale of like an NFL draft or anything like that. But just what's that draft night experience like? Uh you know, for me, it was different than it is now. It was the draft was before the season. So I went into after my junior year, I went into the my senior year, you know, having that number one pick label over me, which didn't make my senior season any easier. You know, I was playing guys who wanted to prove themselves against me, essentially. Uh, and that's my excuse for my lack of production my senior year compared to my junior year. But, uh, um, you know, I watched I went up to uh and for my NLL draft, I went up to Toronto. Uh, it was really cool. I got to walk up on stage, throw the hat on, throw the jersey on, take some pictures. Uh, Brody Merrill and Dan Dawson were there, two guys I had looked up to who are now my – had just got traded to Philadelphia. So those guys were my teammates. It was great, you know, kind of having fun with them, getting interviews. And then, uh, you know, on the other side of the coin was uh, was my MLL draft experience where I was in Vancouver – I think it was streaming on, you know, some some website that I couldn't with my Canadian IP address, I couldn't even stream it live, so I was like on a news feed <laughs> like a one of those tickers. So, uh it was cool to go number 1, you know, obviously with Hamilton Nationals having the first draft pick that year. I think that probably helped me out in in terms of where I went in the draft because uh they were a Canadian-based team and had seen me play box across as well as field across. But, you know, it was kind of different experiences. Now, can you remember, and I'm sure you can, where you were when you got the call? Because I'm sure that a kid like Trevor Baptiste and the, you know, the rest of the kids that are going to the MLO draft are probably like in a dorm room somewhere, uh, hanging out with the boys. And like you said, this was before maybe you were at Stony Brook. So uh, where were you? Well, for the, for the MLO, I was, at, I was sitting at home and my couch in Vancouver. Uh, and then, you know, I had an idea that they were going to pick me up. Uh, Jody Gage was the GM of the Hamilton Nationals and had let me know that uh, in advance. Uh, and it's basically like, you know, 
in these leagues, it's funny because you have your GMs are like, if we draft you, will you play here? And in Philadelphia, it was like, if we draft you, will you come, you know, will you relocate to Philadelphia? And for me in my draft year in the NLL, it was Philadelphia, Rochester, and Colorado. And obviously, sorry, Rochester, no one really wants to live up there. Uh, Colorado was obviously an awesome place to live, but I think a lot of my ego wanted me to come to, uh, you know, to be the number one draft pick. And, you know, obviously I have no regrets because I've, I've, you know, set some roots in Philadelphia and I'm still here, you know, seven or eight years later. Yeah. Living in uh Fairmount here, kind of, kind of neighbors. And, uh, so I, I think if, if we had a little neighborhood lacrosse team together, I think, uh, well, you, you should definitely be passing me the rock, uh, but so I, you know, obviously you've uh, you know you've you've moved teams since then. I mean, you stayed with the Philadelphia organization. You moved with them to New England, um, and then with Hamilton, obviously RIP. Uh, it sucks to see that that franchise gone. But now you're playing with the Charlotte Hounds, and after tonight's draft. Dude, you guys are an absolute wagon offensively. I mean, so you guys just pick up Connor Fields uh, in the draft, uh, a guy who, you know, puts up 100-plus points a season in the NCAA. Uh, So you add Connor Fields to an offense that already has – so you guys have yourself, you got Joey Sankey, you've got Ryan Brown, you've got Mike Chaninchuk, you've got Matt Rambo. I mean, like, how how do you guys not – like? How are teams going to stop you guys from putting the ball in the back of the net every single possession? I mean, that's the goal, obviously, right? And for me, it's uh, putting the ball in a lot of those younger guys' sticks so they can run around, wheel around out there like they do. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm calling I'm calling Connor Fields Fieldsy from now on. I've already given him a nickname on the team. Uh, you know, having Fieldsy on there, I've watched some of his games. Uh, it's really unfortunate he's in the American East Conference because. Sometimes it's up against my, my sea wolves, but, uh, you know, Fieldsy, I got to know him through the team Canada tryouts. He's still in the, you know, the top 35 for that. So that's kind of an additional bonus to have him on the team. And, you know, as a lefty feeder too, you know, I'm going to be cutting that middle and expecting the ball every time. Game I'll be over. And you know, speaking about lefty, uh, fielders, you know, you're talking to, you know, we might not be as good as you. But uh, we're two lefty attackmen. We both are allergic to the offhand. Um, on, the cr- <laughs> on the crease dive, you know, we're not the biggest fans of the fundamentals. Uh, we're all about the low to high and, you know, not putting the offhand. How do you think – and, you know, you know, playing box is, you know, primarily in your strong hand. Talk about moving to field play and not using your offhand and how that could actually benefit you or some – pros and cons that you've experienced because obviously you know you don't like the offhand either yeah i'm completely allergic to my left hand and unfortunately you know teams know that but once you you resist going that way so long you develop some moves that you know get you to your right hand for me my right hand eventually uh i teach to my kids like when i'm when i'm coaching i'm I'm always telling them they need to have some level of proficiency in their opposite hand to like throw a pass. But, you know, it's hypocritical of me. I think I probably have two goals in my throughout college and my professional career in my opposite hand. And, you know, it was really close my eyes and just jam it on goal. And I think I got a lucky bounce twice. So, well, I mean, also another thing that uh, you're, you're blessed with and me and Jordy may not have is, dude, you're not a small guy. You are 6'4", 
220 pounds, Crawley. Like 220 it, soaking wet. <laughs> but it is is according to Wikipedia, is that a generous stat? Where where are they getting this number from? Yeah, you know, uh, that's probably on the right shit. side. Um, okay. <laughs> this is 230 of lean. Lean lean something. I'd, okay. I think it's a you know, it's a people think I I should I think I'm two hundred pounds on the uh on the NLL website, and I think it's an advantage because people go up against me. They think they're just going to push me around, and then they don't realize I got a bit of a boiler on me, you know, and I'm throwing that weight around there for sure. Yeah, I mean, living in Philly so long, I mean, you, you'll you'll definitely uh, pack, pack some on there. But Gino's catching <laughs> up to you. Yeah, it's a city of <laughs> cheesesteaks. Like, what am I going to do here? Dude, speaking of Philly, so, uh, you know, obviously you, everyone knows it. I feel like I bring it up every single episode. Uh, but so next year, the Philadelphia Wings, they're finally coming back. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, the, the Wings organization is an organization that obviously means a lot to you as, you know, they were the team that drafted you. Uh, you've stayed here in Philly. Uh, you know, so so what do you think, you know, having the Wings back in town uh, not only means for, you know, the, the city of Philadelphia, but like, what does it mean for the NLL in general? Because I feel like, you know, the Wings, when, when I think of NLL, and obviously this is just because I'm a Philly guy myself, uh, but I think like the Wings were pretty much everything that was perfect about that league, especially in their heyday. So what do you think it means for the NLL that that, uh, you know, that team's finally going to be back? And, you know, I guess the expansion in, in, in general, I mean, San Diego's getting a team. I know a few other cities are already uh, pegged to get a team, at least either a relocation or an expansion. Um, but mostly let's talk about the city of champions. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. I'm so happy that they got a team back here. Obviously it's where I got the, my start to my career. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, seeing them win the Super Bowl and being ingrained, kind of feeling like I'm ingrained in the Philly, you know, community. Now I was so happy, like for all my friends who I know are diehard Eagles fans. And I don't really, I don't think people really understand what it means to be a diehard unless you've lived in this city and, you know, lived and breathed it. Uh, I was obviously fortunate to be a professional athlete on a way smaller scale than these guys, but, you know, I still felt the love from the fans and, you know, there's a bunch of stories of like fans going out of their way for me, uh, you know, that made, made it really special being here. And, uh, you know, like, it's uh you know when they when they came back and I was kind of like you know I was seeing the announcements and that it was a little bit of emotional because it was you know such a, a cool part of my lacrosse career. Now now how how does that work? What's the next step? Like, is there any chance? And you know, obviously this is a pretty personal question. You don't have to answer it, but you know, is there any chance? You know, you're living in Philadelphia right now. Is there any chance you go back to the team that drafted you? I mean, there's always a chance, right? It's uh you know taking the personal personal side out of it there's a business side and you know if uh i love it in i love it in the a black wolves jersey i love my teammates you know obviously having a the veteran the veteran team there you know we're we're in a step two three four of a of a process right as opposed to going to like a rebuild like philadelphia would be so you know as i get older in my career i start to value things differently uh and you know, being close to winning a championship is, uh, you know, is something that's obviously enticing to me. So I'm happy in a Black Wolves uniform. But you know what? If uh, 
if Philly came up or San Diego came up and said, we'll give you a million dollars to come here. Well, you know what? I'm coming to Philly or San Diego and that's how it goes. But you know, I, uh, someday I can imagine myself back in a wings Jersey. Yeah. I mean, if, if you get a million dollar contract, you better have me as your agent so I can get a little piece <laughs> of that. Um, but Hey, real, real quick, you know, but before we uh, let you get going here, I just got a few more uh, quick questions for you. Um, the first one being, so, you know, whether or not, you know, you, you end up back here in I mean, you live here in Philly. Um, so obviously, you know, you, you're going to play some sort of lacrosse here, whether it's just pickup, uh, or pro. So number one question that we ask all of the guests on this show, uh, if I invite you to a, uh, to a summer beer league, uh, for box across in Philly, will you come and play with my team? Is the beer provided? Oh, for you? Yes. <laughs> I'm in, man. I got two lefty feeders <laughs> on my team, you guys said. What else could happen? Let's go. I love it. <laughs> also join my war at the short team, but yeah. All right. Noted, <laughs> fellas. Give me the send me those dates. Yeah, we'll uh we'll we'll have to tell Charlotte that you'll uh you'll be out of commission for those ones, but <laughs> um another question here. I so I mean you, you mentioned this earlier in the uh in the episode when Robbie asked you the difference between field and box. Uh so obviously the game is uh you know much tougher indoors i it's it's a lot more physical i'd say uh so you know and obviously indoors you're allowed to drop the mitts and chuck the knucks you know you're not allowed to fight in in field lacrosse uh so you know we we brought up your stats before obviously you've got some size to you you've got some range uh what one what is your uh you know what is your record uh when when you drop the mitts and let them fly and two who who would you most like to fight in the NLL? Well, uh, I haven't had a clean fight in that NLL yet in my seven years. I don't, I think it's cause no one wants to fight me, man. Like, look at me. I'm a beast. They're not coming after me. <laughs> What'd you call it? A boiler? You got a boiler. Yeah, I'm on swinging you? that boiler, getting it behind these punches. People are afraid of me, man. I walk around like untouchable. So what, no, what do you I'm do? Just, actually, do you join in on the scrums though? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I want to know. Yeah, I want to know what the thought process is. All right, you're, you're, you got some some beef with someone. Do you guys like make eye contact? Because I've never been in this situation. Do you make eye contact and just rip off the helmet and gloves? I go down my bench and I make eye contact with our fighter <laughs> and I say, "You handle this, right? I got to protect these hands. These are all the softest excuses I'm giving you. I'm not a tough guy at all, and you know, I'm I'm the guy throwing a sucker punch from the back of the scrum." <laughs> <laughs> that that's uh you know I, I think uh we we can all relate on that one um you know I'll, I'll, I'll occasionally muck it up in the beer leagues and by muck it up i mean just like push people from behind and then point to a teammate and be like uh no it was that guy oh you get beer muscles in those leagues too right you think you're a little tougher than you than you probably are yeah i mean i, I don't i don't get many muscles of any kind so uh <laughs> uh and then uh last question here before we before we wrap things up, um, you know, obviously we're we're mostly uh, college lacrosse centric here on the crease dive. Uh, obviously, love to talk about NLL and MLL as well, but you know, our bread and butter here is college lacrosse. And your Stony Brook Sea Wolves uh, last week they were able to upset the Vermont Catamounts, big time shakeup in the America East. There, uh, so I mean, I, I I don't know how how well you keep up with Stony Brook. But, uh, you know, when do we think that we're going to see the resurgence of the Seawolves in the America East? I mean, right now it looks like it, it might be Albany's conference. But, uh, you know, who, uh, you know, 
who, who when are we going to get that recruiting process that going there for the Seawolves to take over with the Great Danes? Well, I always say don't. Yeah, in the meantime, the the ladies are absolutely crushing it there in Stony Brook. So, uh, you know, ho- hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be able to to bring that banner to uh, to Stony Brook in the meantime while the boys get themselves going again. Uh, but Kev, thanks a lot for coming on, man. I really, uh, really appreciate it, and best of luck heading into uh, you know these final this final playoff push for the season. And like, like I said, we, we got confidence in you. So, uh, you know, as soon as you boys make it to the playoffs, uh, we're expecting some, uh, some, some bench side seats for the, uh, for the new England black wolves playoff game. All right, let's go. Thanks. Crowley. Yeah, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you, bud. All right. And thank you again to the big cat, Kevin Crowley for hopping on the podcast here with us. Uh, you know, obviously we're going to be checking out to see how the black wolves fare in this playoff push. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully big things coming for, you know, not the black wolves also for Charlotte heading into the season. But as we mentioned, you know, Kevin, he's a, uh, a Stony Brook alum and Stony Brook coming off of a huge win last weekend, a huge upset over the Vermont Catamounts to shake things up a bit in the America East Conference. So, you know, I think that that kind of takes us right into our weekend preview here with Vermont. I mean, they're they're coming off of this loss. It's a tough loss. And, you know, I, I think right now that they're, you know, they're heading into Virginia this weekend and they got to get things back on track. So, I mean, if, if they want to have a chance of making it to the NCAA tournament without winning the America East, uh, you know, obviously a win over an ACC opponent is, you know, going to help him out there in that. So Robbie O, you know, is Ian McKay, is he going to be able to get his boys off the floor a little bit and take this win uh, back home from Virginia? Get the catamounts up and at them like we saw in the first couple of games, dude. I mean, we, we talked about it. You and I, and uh, there's no shame in it. I'll pat ourselves on the back. We've been on this catamount train since like February, I don't know, 20th, when it was a random Tuesday. They were playing Furman to kick off the start of the Division One lacrosse season. We hopped on the catamounts randomly. Um, and then obviously they went off to that uh, historical start of 7-0. and And now... You know, we talked about them, hyping them up, and obviously they had the devastating loss to Albany, the two undefeated teams. That was the Crease Dive's dream of a matchup. But we always harp on their strength of schedule. And, uh, you know, we kind of get on Albany for that too. But, you know, this is, you know, a, an ACC team. You know, Virginia is, you know, they, they've had their ups and downs this year. Obviously the loss of Ryan Codrad has not helped them. But, you know, this is going to be a great game playing at a neutral site of, uh, you know, New Canaan High School. So, you know, I'm, I'm a strong believer in neutral sites. Anything can go. And uh, uh, I got 
I, I, you know, we, we talk about Virginia. You never know which Jekyll or the Hyde you're going to see. But, you know, I, I, got, I got Vermont here. And, you know, this is a completely unbiased choice. But, uh, yeah, dude, I got Vermont here getting an AC. Yeah, obviously this slip up to uh, Stony Brook. But I got them picking up an ACC win headed into their uh, conference championship. Yeah, I mean, I, and it's it's just it was tough to see that loss to Stony Brook because I think that the way that this team was playing, um, you know, obviously that that loss to Albany was you know a, a little bit of a uh, you know a little bit of a beatdown. Uh, but you know, I was thinking, you know, if if they win out the rest of the way and you know get to the America East Championship, I think you know. Without winning the conference, I think that they still did enough to, you know, get themselves an at-large bid. Um, obviously, that's that's going to be not quite the case anymore after that slip up to Stony Brook. Uh, you know, so I think, you know, for a you know for a team uh, like Vermont. A, a team who you know they haven't been in this you know in, in this position in a while to really be fighting for a spot in the NCAA tournament. I think that Vermont has a lot more to lose in this game than Virginia does, and like you said, you know it's it's a neutral site, so it, I mean it's going to be a little weird for both teams. You know, both teams taking the bus to that game, uh, and you know I, I think you know with how hungry. Uh, you know, Vermont is going to be to kind of get themselves back on track to being a potential NCAA tournament team, uh, you know, and, and with a guy like Ian McKay, I mean, this is his last go at it. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we saw him get picked up in the MLL draft, but this is his last go at Vermont. You know, obviously he's going to want to end this off at, with an NCAA tournament appearance. Uh, so I think, you know, I think just that kind of willpower is uh, is, is going to have me riding the Vermont Catamounts as well. Let's go. Oh yeah, I mean we're we're both on Vermont there. Uh, the other big game on Saturday, uh, we've got the Syracuse Orange, who uh, you know as as we mentioned earlier in the episode, they went uh, seven straight rounds without a draft pick in the MLL, and they're now going up against the midshipmen from Navy. And uh, Robbio, you, you, uh, you I, I know you mentioned this earlier. They, this is uh, going to be a little bit of a family affair going on in this yes, game. Yes, right? we are going to have a little bit of a family feud. You got little brother versus big brother, the two Varellos going at it. And it's not like an attackman versus a defenseman or, you know, two offensive players like, we, you know, we've kind of seen in the past. No, this is the only position in the game of lacrosse where it is truly mano y mano, and that is the face-off X. And going right into it, that is going to be a huge factor of what decides this game. So, A, we got that storyline going on. B, we got Syracuse being 4-0 in the ACC, but are doing horribly uh, out of conference. And then we got Navy riding high, breaking the top 20 off of a huge win from Army. So we, we got a lot of shit going on. Well, where, where, where do you start? What do you, what do you got on this game? Syracuse v. Navy. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, this is this is going to be Navy's final game of the regular season before they head into Patriot League play. So, 
Uh, you know, we saw them with that big time win over Army. You know, they're they're done in conference play right now. I think that they're you know they obviously have a uh, you know a spot locked up in that Patriot League tournament, regardless of the outcome of this game, which I think might hurt them a little bit. I, I don't know if this game necessarily means as much. But this is also the Naval Academy that yep. we're talking about. So that you put them up against you put them up against anybody who's an opponent, and you know they're going to fight until the very end. So uh, you know, but listen, I mean, I mean, this is a you know this is going to be a Syracuse team where you know this is going to be a test, kind of the same way uh, that we mentioned with Virginia, where you know it's sometimes they have it, sometimes they don't. That's kind of been the way that I feel about Syracuse this year. I mean, you look at that loss to Cornell. You look at that loss to Rutgers. You obviously look at that loss to Albany. I mean, they have the ability to come out for these games and just not fully be it. Like it just doesn't seem like they completely either like get off the bus or come out of the locker room. Uh, so you know, obviously they're going to need to hype themselves up because I think that this is a Navy team right now uh, who's who's really feeling confident about themselves. And yeah, I mean they would love to go into this Patriot League tournament. Uh, with a statement win over Syracuse, so I, I, I gotta, I gotta ride with Navy on this one. Wow, you're going Navy. I, I think I, I mean, all right, yeah, bless I, up to the troops. Yeah, Robbie O is definitely the biggest supporter of the troops of all time. But I am going to have Syracuse here. Um, I think they've kind of finally figured it out. Um, I think they're a different team. I mean, you started to talk about them, you know, having bus legs. They're not the best team on the road, but they're going to be hosting in the dome. Uh, I think momentum is on their side. But like I talked about before, like momentum's on both teams' sides. The only thing that's kind of steering me towards Navy is, you know, we've harped on in the previous episodes the huge rivalry between Syracuse and Army. Syracuse doesn't bode very well, you know? So uh, it's got me leaning a little bit towards Navy. Come on over, Rob. I'm, I'm, I'm going with Navy. I'm going Navy. Wow. Going Navy. I, I, got, I got Navy. I got Navy winning this game, but I still have, obviously, Syracuse being undefeated in the ACC and hosting the ACC tournament. Wow, look at that. We we have a live flip-flop caught on recording right there. Robbie O uh joining the right side of that matchup cuz we are going to be coming away with easy money in that one. Uh but I mean, you look at this Saturday slate of games and obviously, you know, Saturdays in in late April, uh you know, it's it's it they belong to college across. But I think, you know, the biggest the biggest day of this weekend is going to be Sunday because we've got three games on store for Sunday and all three of them are complete gong shows in the making. Uh, starting off with, you know, obviously Sunday lacrosse belongs to the Big Ten. Uh, and, and, you know, we've got uh, Maryland taking on Ohio State this year. Obviously, Ohio State, it's, it's been a bit of a disappointing year for them after making it to the Final Four last year. Uh, but I mean, listen, uh, these are two teams who battled and battled and battled against each other last year. Obviously they're obviously they hate the shit out of each other. So I wouldn't expect anything less out of this game. So even though, you know, on paper, this matchup doesn't look quite as enticing as it would have, you know, at the beginning of the season, 
it's still going to be a game where you have no idea what's going to happen. And, you know, with this Big Ten schedule, you know, even with how stacked Maryland is and even with how well they've been playing, you play Big Ten team after Big Ten team after Big Ten team, eventually, you know, the wheels are going to start to fall off just a little bit. Not completely. Just a little. You're you're bound to have a slip up here. Could this be the slip up weekend for the Terps? I feel like yeah. And I mean, if they're gonna have a slip up weekend, it's going to be against an in conference team and a team that is very familiar with uh, the other side. So this game is gonna be a little bit spooky. Uh, obviously, Maryland's hosting them, but you know we saw another in conference Big Ten game. Uh, sorry, not Big Ten. It was uh, Notre Dame in the ACC. But, you know, we, we've seen a Michigan um, beat or knock off a, a, a Notre Dame team. So I, I would not be surprised if Ohio State came away like this. I mean, we've seen Ohio State. Yeah, they're not having the best year. But, dude, I've always kind of – that was like one team that I've kind of stuck with just due to the fact that I think those kids play so fucking hard – from the start of the whistle to the end of the whistle. Like, if their defense scares the shit out of me and I'm like watching behind a computer or a TV, I, I don't know. I also said that Maryland was going to lose against Rutgers uh, last week. And, you know, uh, uh, Maryland came away with that one with a one goal game. But I'm not going to say Ohio State. My, my, my pick is Maryland. But I think Ohio State gives them a great game. I actually think Ohio State might be winning the start of the second half, but I think Maryland has too much depth, and they're gonna they're gonna run away with this one, like we saw in the Albany game. Yeah, I mean, just just think about how much Ohio State has to despise Maryland. They go in last year and they come away with a one goal win over the Terps in the regular season last year. Now. Listen, regular season wins don't take them for granted because no. as we've seen with you know with teams like UNC this year, I, regular season wins can come and they can also go. Uh, so I mean, a- any win over Maryland is a big one, but they don't quite mean as much as postseason wins. And when we get to the Big Ten final last year, it is Maryland taking home that ten nine win to win the conference last season. We go from the Big Ten final to the NCAA championship game, Memorial Day Monday, Maryland versus Ohio State, the third game, the third matchup of the season. It's the rubber match. As we all know how that story goes, the Terps come out on top 9-6. to six. So Ohio State, they go into both of those games being like, all right, we beat these fuckers before, <laughs> we can beat them again, and they lose – Two of the two of the biggest matchups out of those three matchups last season. So they have to be coming in here so pissed off that they decided to win the one game that didn't really mean anything. And I think that you know I think that that's probably going to show in their play. So I I hate to I hate to pick against the Terps because you know they've they've proven everybody wrong so far this season. Who mm-hmm. thought that they'd have a slip up after losing Rambo and Hecock? But I think that. I, I think the Terps lose this one uh, on Sunday, and then they probably go undefeated the rest of the season. You know, like, like I said, I, I, my, my, my mind is there, but I just think I think Maryland's going to end up just like with the victory. Obviously, Ohio State is a huge underdog. So, uh, you know, if you got the lines on those games, uh, I say beat your bookie and uh, hit, hit him with the Buckeye. But, you know, Saturdays are for the boys, but Sundays are for Big Ten lacks. We are going to stay there. And we are going to go 
towards Penn State versus Rutgers. You know, these are two teams, and honestly, I, I don't think you'll disagree. I could be very wrong. I, th- I think Big Ten is, is the best conference right, right now in lacrosse. So, um, you know, you, you get two teams like this going at it, kind of two of the same uh, caliber type teams. Obviously, Penn State's battling a ton of injury. Their stud Fogo, you know, obviously had that big injury, but came out balling last game. And, yeah, man, uh, I don't know. Bo- both teams kind of kind of real hot. Penn State kind of coming on the scene real late. There are some rumors. My sources are telling me that Grant Ament might not be back this game, but he could be back next game. So you got this last game before you head into Big Ten Conference play. I mean, this is this is a this is a big game, a big statement game. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know the the winner of this game will probably lock up that three seed at at least for uh, in in that Big Ten tournament. Uh, so this is definitely a, a huge game as far as seeding goes for that tournament. Um, you know, and you know, Rutgers. Uh, coming in here, definitely going to be a, a little bit pissed off, you know, losing that one goal game to Maryland. They're going to have a little chip on their shoulder heading into this game. And, you know, Penn State, they're going to be coming in feeling themselves after taking down Hopkins. Uh, you know, it's always good to see a team like Penn State or a team like, uh, you know, or a team like Rutgers kind of knock off one of those blue blood programs. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that this is going to be a game where, you know, like you mentioned, they're they're two of the same kind of caliber teams. You know, they're they're very very good programs that have you know they've been there. They get great recruits. Uh, they they usually have winning seasons. They're just not quite a. Uh, I, I just wouldn't call them powerhouses. They're powerhouses in the making. Uh, so seeing two of these two teams battle against each other uh, is is always going to be a good one. But you know, so last year Penn State. Uh, you know, they come away with a big time win over Rutgers. It's a 13 7 final in the regular season. I just, I, I don't see history repeating itself on this one. I think that Rutgers has a little bit more to prove to everybody this season than Penn State does. And with Penn State dealing with the injuries that they're dealing with, obviously it didn't slow them down against Hopkins, but, you know, I, I think Hopkins, their time. Uh, you know, the, the time for their win streak was coming to an end regardless. So I think whoever they were going up against last week would probably come away with a win. I think that Rutgers just, they, they, they've got more that they need going for them right now. And I think that, you know, that they'll come out of this one on top. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers is kind of one of those teams that's always been real, real sneaky. Coming onto the team as one of those blue blood programs, obviously getting kind of, in my opinion, snubbed out of the NCAA tournament uh, with Hopkins getting picked over them. Uh, you know, they're another team that, that's playing with a huge chip on their shoulder. You know, they got their goalie, Max Edelman. He's been playing absolutely lights out, senior leader on the team. And obviously, can't talk about senior leaders uh, without talking about Jules Hennenberg, obviously uh, the number seven pick in the draft for the Florida launch. So, you know, this is a team that's got a lot going for them. You know, you, you got Kieran Mullins coming on the scene, a little, little young gun. So I'm right there with you. I got Rutgers. Uh, Penn State's got a lot, kind of a lot going for them, but you know, and, and they could surprise us come, come Big Ten. I, I feel hot take here. I feel like one of these teams is gonna is gonna beat Maryland in in the Big Ten championship. I, I don't think Maryland wins that conference uh, right out, but 
I, I got I got Rutgers over Penn State in uh, this Sunday clash of the T-10s. Yeah, we're going to have to get uh, at all takes exposed on Twitter, <laughs> locking in on that take from Robbie O. But hey, listen, man, I appreciate a hot take and anybody who is willing to go there. So, uh, you know, I... I uh, I will respectfully disagree with you. I do think that Maryland <laughs> wins that one, but I do appreciate the balls that it takes to go there. So, uh, and I think if, if any team's going to be able to, uh, you know, to, to knock off Maryland in that big 10 final game, I think that I, I would give Rutgers the edge over Penn state. And that's why I'm going to give Rutgers the edge over Penn state in this game. Uh, but wrapping things up for us on our Sunday slate of games this weekend, and then wrapping up our Sunday slate of games, we've got, you know, probably my favorite game of the bunch. We've got the Albany Great Danes taking the trip over to play against Ben Reeves and the Yale Bulldogs. And I mean, so first off, th- this will be Albany's second game of the weekend. They're starting off on Friday, coming off of their bye week playing against Binghamton. Uh, obviously, that's not exactly a marquee game, to say the least. I mean, I, I think I saw the line set here somewhere around, uh, what, what's that, 12 goals, Rabio? Yeah, 12 goals, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 going to be, but I mean, listen, this is going to be the first game on Friday, you know, that uh, Albany has played in two weeks since suffering that upset loss to UMBC. And, you know, so I obviously they're going to take care of business against Binghamton, no disrespect to Binghamton, but, you know, that that's just going to be a way for them to kind of get back into game shape. And then this game on Sunday uh, just got so much more intriguing with Yale because, you know, you, you look at Albany all season long and they're they're just running teams down, taking care of business, a, a win over Syracuse, a gritty one goal win over Maryland. They take care of Vermont, uh, you know, and, and this whole time through, you know, you're thinking number one spot, number one spot, number one spot. All of a sudden they lose to UMBC. You know, now if you have an America East loss and then you couple that with a, a loss to Yale in the Ivy. I just don't know exactly what that would do for this team in terms of seeding for the NCAA tournament. I mean, you could end up losing a home game if if you lose this game to Yale. Uh, so I, I think that this game right now is is going to be so important for Albany. Uh, you know, because if if they get this win, then you can disregard that loss to UMBC. You can chalk that up as a fluke. And if they get a win over Yale and then finish out the season with a win over Hartford, you give them at least one of the top two spots in the tournament. Uh, but if not, you know, like I said, it could be very much up in the air. So, Rabio, how are you feeling about this matchup for the Danes versus the Bulldogs? Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything that you just said. Um, I mean, obviously, we, we all know everyone in the country, anyone who's listening to this knows that yeah, you're, you're going to see Albany uh, on the on the selection committee uh, playing for the NCAA tournament. Um, but if they do lose this game... It, it is a huge blow to them. And, you know, they, they're coming off of a bye week. So I'm very, very curious to see how they respond to that. You know, different teams respond differently. Uh, they're a little bit banged up. But on the other hand, you got TD Ireland going 80% at the faceoff X. Like we stated, uh, you can't score without the ball. Um, you got, I don't know, you, you got Connor Fields, who's, you know, officially back, obviously going to be, you know, maybe probably somewhat limited. But if the Great Danes do come away with this win on the road versus an incredible, incredible Yale team uh, across the board defense to attack, 
you got to give them a look at the number one spot because they beat Maryland. So um, this is a huge game for Scott Moore and the Great Danes. Very excited to see how this one plays out. Probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite games of the weekend. Uh, I got the Dane train rolling through to uh, New Haven, Connecticut and taking care of business against yeah, the Yeah, So Lewis. like you mentioned, Connor Fields coming back off an injury. I mean, he he's had, you know, he's had now two weeks to uh, you know, to kind of recover that that bum wheel. Um, you know, but even if, you know, so you know, you 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 mentioned that this to me earlier. I mean, there's a difference between uh, you know, coming back off an injury, but like there's a difference between coming back and actually being back. Um, so whether or not he actually is back, we'll you know we'll still have to figure that out, just depending on you know how that how that wheel's feeling. But here's the thing: I mean, Connor Fields is such a gifted player uh, that I think that even a Connor Fields at you know 85 percent um, is is good enough to kind of put this Albany team over the edge. Uh, because when you have a guy, when you have a kid like the Hogan Anacoke, um, you know, who can kind of just get himself open, uh, have unreal hands in tight spaces like that. And when you have a kid with the the vision of Connor Fields and the, you know, the stick of Connor Fields to get that ball to Dahoga, you know, I think that that's something that kind of Albany was missing in the last couple games uh, without Fields on the field uh, is just someone to kind of get that ball to Dahoga. So, you know, having those two together again, after a couple games off, um, you know, I, th- I think we're going to, you know, they're going to get that chemistry back going against Binghamton. And I think that they uh, get it go- rolling into Yale as well. So I think, you know, I'm right there with you riding the Dane train on that one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, we've got pretty similar picks this week, uh, but let's see right now before we wrap things up, Robbie, O, do you have a mortal lock of the week for all the boys and girls back home who are looking to make a little cash on college lacks this weekend? Yeah. Uh, my mortal lock of the week. And, uh, I had them as my, uh, my man up of the week. Um, you know, who, you know, who we buying, who we selling man up, man down, I had Robert Morris, you know, they were a team that were, you know, preseason ranked, uh, like, like 48. There were, there were some, uh, some real questionable teams in front of them, but, uh, you know, they made it to the top 20. They got all the way down to 14. They're back at 19. They're playing Wagner at Wagner. Wagner's getting six. Anything can happen in Staten Island. I got Wagner in this one. I, uh, (laughs) I think the Seahawks are going are gonna to cover, if not win and possibly uh, end Robert Morris's little streak in uh, the Division One top 20 polls. Anything can happen in Staten Island. Put that on a shirt. Uh, for my mortal lock of the week, it's it's a game we already talked about, but uh, you know I'm I'm interested in some money here. Uh, so I'm I'm going. I, I think uh, you know, like I mentioned, uh, this Ohio State Maryland matchup. Uh, I mean, any, anytime you're going to have a, uh, a rematch of a national championship game, uh, anytime you're going to have a rematch of a conference championship game, there's going to be plenty of bad blood there. And I, I think that this is going to be, it's not going to be a pretty game for either team. I think things are going to get a little chippy as well. Uh, so I've got Ohio State coming in and covering uh, four goals against Maryland. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, at least that's a lock. I could be wrong about them coming out of here outright, but I am very, very comfortable on them covering four. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, 
I love that pick. Yeah, I, hey, lock it in and throw away the keys. We are both riding on underdogs this week. We've got Wagner plus six against Robert Morris and Ohio State plus four against Maryland. So uh, if you get rich, feel free to just send us uh, you know, a little extra <laughs> coin on Venmo. They're, uh, they're very much open. But that is going to wrap. Yeah, and uh, all the picks will be posted on Jordy's weekend preview blog on barstoolsports.com. Those drop every Friday uh, at 1.30 p.m., so be sure to check those out and ride with the boys and beat the bookie. Jordy, close us out. Yeah, I well, first, hey, click those blogs close out the tab and click them again because we are all about those page views, baby. Get those lax page views up. But yeah, that is going to wrap things up for us on week 13 of the crease dive. Uh, listen, I mean, Saturday and Sunday are both full of great games. So find yourself a TV, find yourself some beers, find yourself some friends, and let's get after it this weekend. Uh, make sure to, as always, follow us on our social channels on Twitter and Instagram at the crease dive. Uh, you know, keep sending in, you know, submissions of videos of, you know, you and the boys ripping it up on the field or whatever, uh, you know, the, the DMs are always full, but you guys are, are, are sending in some great shit, so we really appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, you know, thanks again to Kevin Crowley for hopping on the podcast this week. And, uh, you know, big congrats to all the guys who got selected in the MLL draft this week, but specifically the five guys who were uh, former, former guests on the show. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to close it out for us. And as always, low to high to the day we die, we out. Yo, say.